Okay, we're going to learn uh, for bringing the Rebbe share gave in 1960 in Shabbos uh, The previous Rebbe said that you have to live with the parish of the week. And he then spoke about Parshas Bereshis. He said Parshas Bereshis is a joyous week. One second. It's a joyous week, even though because Hashem saw the whole creation is good, and even though the end of the parsha is a little negative, but in general, Parshas Bereshis is a joyous week, and by all the Jewish people. Parashas Bereshis is joy and gladness because we start the Torah anew. From all this is understood that Shabbos Bereshis has the same theme as Simchas Torah because also on Simchas Torah we begin reading the Torah anew. As the Jewish custom is, is, is that as soon as you finish reading the last words of the Torah, you right away begin again from Bereshis Bara. So just like there's a tremendous joy in Simchas Torah, uh, because the Torah tells us to ascend in holiness, so Simchas Torah is a greater joy than the joy of Sukkot and Simchas Beis Hashem. And it says about Simchas Beis Hashem, whoever did not see the joy of the drawing of the water never saw joy in his life. So Simchas Torah is even beyond the joy of Simchas Beis Hashem. So Mayim Makedish have to add in joy, so the Simcha uh, that we begin the Torah anew. On Simchas Torah is even greater. So now Shabbos Bereshis, which is a continuation of Simchas Torah, is even more than Simchas Torah because it's always supposed to add in holiness. I just want to interject over here um, in this for bringing that the Rebbe uh, uh, is sharing on the Shabbos Bereshis. He is quoting from things he said in Simchas Torah. One of the things that stuck out to me was that. Rebbe says that there's five levels of joy. There's a joy of a yantiv in general. There's an additional joy on Sukkot. There's an additional joy of Sukkot Beis Shaheva. There's an additional joy of Shemitah Tzeres. And then there's additional joy of Sukkot Torah. And these five levels of joy correspond to the five levels of the soul and to the five prayers on Yom Kippur. Everything that begins in the first half of the month of Tishrei in a more serious, more somber way is revealed on Sukkot in a joyous way. So Rebbe said, where do we see the five prayers of Yom Kippur on Sukkot? The five prayers of Yom Kippur correspond to the five levels of joy that we experience on, um, on, on Sukkot. So you have five prayers, uh, and the fifth prayer is Ne'ilah, which corresponds to the deepest part of the Neshama. So the fifth part of, of Yom Kippur corresponds to the fifth level of joy, the joy of Simchas Because the joy, again, of Sukkot is beyond the joy of a regular yontif. The joy of Simchas Beis is beyond the joy of Sukkot. The joy of Shemitah is beyond the joy of, of Simchas Beis And the joy of Simchas is beyond that. That's the fifth level of joy. And since it's all in, in reveal on Simchas and and it's it's really beyond the fifth level, beyond the fifth level of Neshama, higher than the level of Yechida, and that's why it's able to be uh, able to include all different levels of of the soul. So Simchas Torah, the Rebbe says, in that Fabrenian is 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 beyond the level of Yechida. And here, the Rebbe says that Shabbos Bereshis is beyond that. So just want to give some context to what they're referring to. We're talking something really about something really really amazing. So this will help us understand 
why the previous Rebbe said that Shabbos Bereshis is something that all the Jews celebrate in a way of joy and gladness. It seems that Hasidus always um, delineates the difference between Shabbos and Yontif, that Yontif is called a time for joy, and Shabbos is called a time for pleasure. So why do we say that Shabbos Bereshis is a time of joy is seemingly joy is something associated with yontif and Shabbos associated with pleasure. So the answer is because Shabbos Bereshis is the same theme and is a continuation of Simchas Torah. Therefore, Shabbos Bereshis is different than all the Shabbosim. And besides the fact that Shabbos Bereshis has an element of joy, Shabbos Bereshis also has an element of Simcha. Now, every Shabbos also has an element of Simcha too, as we've been discussed in the Fabrengen in the same year, we're not going to get into that, but whatever element of joy that's reserved for Yantiv also exists in Shabbos Bereshis. And uh, in general, Shabbos Bereshis is a time to like catch up for all, the, all, all that was missed in the month of uh, Tishrei. Uh, in, in the Chazen on Shabbos Bereshis is meant to bring in all different tunes from, the out the month, from throughout the month of, of Tishrei. I don't know this um, from something I've heard myself directly from a source, but I've heard it said that Chazan Talshevsky uh, in, put into he. I've heard Chazan Talshevsky and Shabbos Bereshis, and how he puts in he, he very uh, amazingly weaves all the songs of Tishrei into the into into the Shabbos davening. Uh, but I heard that he put in a, a, a piece of Chazanis from Kol Nidre, and I heard the Rebbe like shook, like this is too much, like like bringing bring back to, to too much uh, of some and a different kind of energy. Either way, so Shabbos Bereshis is this theme of joy, like this, like the theme of Simchas Torah, and that's why the previous Rebbe calls it a day of joy and gladness, not like a regular Shabbos. So the words of Tzadikim, and especially our Rebbe, are very precise especially things that are printed. So the joy, the, the previous Rebbe says, sosin v'simcha, gladness and joy. So this, the Torah tells us to always ascend in holiness. So that, that means that the joy of Shabbos Bereshis has all of the previous elements of the previous holidays. And the Torah says that when you ever have $200, $200 includes within it $100. So besides the fact that it has all the elements of joy in it, it also has something else called sasin. Sasin is gladness. And that's a, um, the, a verse, that, that word gladness comes from a verse and they should draw the water with gladness. So it has element of gladness and also the element of Simchas Torah. So what's the difference between gladness and joy? The previous Shabbos says on Shabbos Bereshis, and not just joy, there's gladness. Gladness is something that comes from above to below, and joy is something that ascends from below to above. In the spheres, joy and gladness are different parts of the divine revelations in Atzilus. Gladness, sussing, is a sphere of Yosait, which the sphere of Yosait is still considered part of the infinite worlds, something which is given from above to below. And Simcha is Nasira Malthus from below to above. That's the general theme 
of the title that we give the holiday of Sukkot, we call the holiday of Sukkot a time of our joy. It's a time when God rejoices with his creations, and it's a time when we rejoice with God. So both of these items come in the simcha of ourselves. In other words, okay, so, so, um, So, in other words, in our joy, in our simcha itself, that we have, that we rejoice in God, there are two elements. There is joy and there's gladness. And they are connected to the two spheres of Yesod and Malchus. This will help us understand why the Gemara says in Sukkah that there were two tzedukim. Tzedukim are people who only believe in the written Torah, not the oral Torah. So one of them was names was Sasein, and the other one's name was Joy. One of them's name was, was Gladness, the other one's name was Joy. And the Gemara says that what they what they said about the the joy, the drawing of the water, they because the drawing of the water is something that's derived from the oral Torah, they didn't believe in it. So the Gemara discusses what they said and what they were, were responded to by our sages. So the question is, who cares what they said? Whatever happened, happened. So the answer is that the there are two names of Sasin and Simcha. They are the two elements of above to below and below to above. So in Shabbos Breshis, the Simcha comes out and it's expressed in all kinds of ways, both from above to below in Sasin and both from below to above in Joy. And because of the, the, all of these things come together, so we have something beyond of whatever was before. In other words, when you have a fusion of various things, so then the, the, in order to fuse those things together, there has to be something higher that puts them together. So the classic example Chassidus gives is of every word in Hebrew. Every word is comprised of many letters. So each letter is expression of one kind of revelation. But in order to put them together in a word, you have to have something higher in that word that joins together the various, various elements of the, of the various letters. So because Shabbos Bracious is has in it both joy and gladness, that means that Shabbos Bracious is beyond them both. So because Shabbos Bracious is, carries the same theme as Simchas Torah, because this Shabbos Bracious is different than all other Shabbos. Besides the, the, the element that Shabbos Bracious has joy in it, like other like a Yontif does, like we mentioned before, besides that, the difference is a difference also in the um, Shabbos Bracious that sets it apart from all the Shabbos in, in the following. Every Shabbos is connected to the days before it and the days after it. Shabbos Bereshis affects all days of the year. Because since, since Shabbos Bereshis has the same theme as Simchas Torah, so just like on Simchas Torah, we have this wish and we bless each other that we should continue the Simcha of Simchas Torah throughout the year. So also Shabbos Bereshis, you have to draw down from Shabbos Bereshis for the whole year. Like the previous Shabbos said in the Sicha, that the way you approach Shabbos Bereshis, that's the way the whole year continues. So in order to be able to 
this halacha, the halachic term for something which is wet is tefeach masat tefeach. Has to be wet enough to make something else wet. So if Shabbos Bereshis is meant to moisten all the days of the year, it must be that there's a lot of moisture in this the Shabbos, a lot of lachluchas, a lot of moisture, and that's why it's able to moisten all the uh, Shabbosim. So it has to have a lot, a lot of lachluchas, a lot of moisture. So Hashem should give that we should have deya bina v'haskil. We should have wisdom, kocha bina v'das, to understand, to use out Shabbos Bereshis, that it should be a channel for the whole year, that it would continue the idea of ufaratzta for the entire year. Ufaratzta, that we're all familiar with, the idea of spreading Yiddishkeit and this around the world, is something the Rebbe uh, initiated in this um, the year of the Fabrain that we're learning, Tashan Chaf, 1960. So we should continue, we should have the Seichel, we should have the intelligence to know to use our Shabbos Bereshis to do Ufaratzta throughout the year. I just want to point out another point that there mentioned in the previous Fabrains of this year. It says in the uh, Talmud that every day a voice comes out from Mount Sinai and says, uh, Woe is to the creatures because of the shame of the Torah. The Torah has no one involved in it. So the Baal Shem Tev says, what's the point of a voice that no one hears? And the Baal Shem Tev answers that there's a part of our neshama that hears the voice. The main part of ourselves hears the voice. And, that, and that, 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 that tickles it and that arouses it to do something. And what is the voice saying? It doesn't say people don't learn the Torah. It says people aren't involved in the Torah, which means they're not involved in spreading and sharing the Torah. So it says that this voice happens every day. Every day it says in the Talmud, a voice comes out from Mount Sinai. But there is a day of the year when this voice is like, uh, it's, it's, the, it's, it's just like the Torah, Shem gives us the Torah every day. But there's a special day of the year, Shavuos, when that's a source of the celebration of the Torah all year. So to the time when Hashem asks us, what's going on with the Torah? What are you guys doing about my Torah? On Simchas Torah, so that's that's this idea of ufarat's time. We should use out the time. It's not just relevant to Tafshin Cha. Um, and the Rebbe began this campaign of ufarat's time, but there's a special request of Hashem at this time of year on Shabbos Bereshis and and Simchas Torah. What's going on with her? What are you doing to spread my Torah? So we have to have the seich. Rebbe says to use our Shabbos Bereshis to, to spread the Torah, in to break through all limitations and we have not only our boundaries in the mundane, but also the boundaries of holiness. And we should draw down a lot more than Hashem has written and sealed for us. I don't know if Zev's listening. Zev, you listening? Listen to what the Rebbe says. The Gemara says that all of the Parnasa that a person is supposed to earn is decreed on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, except for whatever you spend for education, whatever you spend for Shabbos and Yontif. That means that Shabbos, oh good. That means that Shabbos and Yontif could accomplish more than whatever has been ordained on Yom Kippur. And since Shabbos Bereshis has an effect on the whole year, so Shabbos Bereshis we're able to draw down more than Hashem has written and sealed for us throughout the year. That should be uforatzi yom kemitz In the previous Shabbos and the they were actually said. That just like the Gemara says, there are some things which, which, which are an exception to the rule that, that, that aren't considered part of the um, 
part of the rule of Hashem giving the budget for every person throughout the year, like the expenses that they spend for Shabbos, so to Rebbe says the decisions you make at Simchas Teira to add in Parnas, add in Staka, Rebbe says it opens up new pipelines to be able to earn lots and lots more money to be able to, get, to fulfill those pleasures. In a similar way, Rebbe says about this Shabbos, that this Shabbos draws down beyond what was written in Sidium Kippur, and that should be Ufarats to beyond all limitations. Chaim Rebzev, since you're the only guy with the screen open, I want to wish you a bracha. Should have opened brachas from Hashem. Hey, on to Dr. Bresman's getting jealous. You too, Dr. Bresman. You too, David. Teva nirva nigla ufarasta lachaim. Chaim, shvech. So this idea of ufarasta, this idea of breaking through boundaries, that has to happen by every single person. And since the world rests on three things, it doesn't only mean the physical world, but also means that every person's individual world is rests on three things. So there has to be ufaratsta in all three in all three pillars. The three pillars that, that my personal world stands on, not just the world at large, but my small world stands on, on three pillars. So I have to break through the boundaries in the three pillars that my world stands on. So it's understood in a simple sense that you can't make an infinite building if the pillars are limited. So there must be ufaratsta to break through the boundaries you have in all three pillars. And only then can there be ufarasta in your small world and ufarasta brings to the boundaries of the world at large. So the idea of ufarasta in Torah, prayer, and kindness means, as I've discussed in other Fabrengans of this year, Tashin Chaf, in service of Hashem and Davening, Rebbe said that there is a positive mitzvah to Daven. Whether the mitzvah is to ask for your needs or the mitzvah is to serve God with your heart, as the Ramam says. But that's limited. Also, when you're asking for your needs, it's only only meant to ask. If, if the mitzvah is to ask for your needs, mitzvah only applies when you need something. It's limited. And also, if you say the mitzvah is to work and serve God with your heart, so the commentaries say you are able to fulfill this obligation of serving God with your heart once every, every so often. But that's the specific detail of davening. But then there is what the Alter Rebbe said, that davening is the spine that gives energy to all the limbs of the body. So that's the infinite idea of davening. That's what Rabbi Yochan meant when he said, Halavai, I wish a person should daven all day. And whenever a person has a moment, he has to fill it with the content of davening, which is connection to Hashem. That's that's what the altar is. Or davening isn't just something that you are obligated to do every so often when you have when you need something, when you have to once in a while to serve God with your heart. Rather, davening altar says is the is the spine that gives energy to all of your of your Judaism. What does davening mean? Your connection to Hashem. Debra doesn't mention here, but another occasion, Debra said that the altar Rebbe said, and anyone who says that davening is not a biblical commandment has never seen light in their life. But uh, just as a side note, that the point they're saying here is that davening sh shouldn't be something that we look at just as an obligation to do because we need something or because we're supposed to serve Hashem with our heart every so often. Davening is what makes everything tick in your life. And therefore, if you have a moment, you have to fill it with the theme of davening, which is make a connection to Hashem. And so to the pillar of stuck, the pillar of kindness, Debe had explained in the Fabrengans of that year, that there is the, a positive commandment of tzedakah. 
which has limitation. Whether the weather limitation is meiser, 10% or 20%, but then there is an element of stock which is infinite. And that is the idea of how it says in Tanya that you're able to cause a rectification from all blemishes with, with stock, but stock afraid, you're able to fix up all the blemishes you have in all mitzvahs through and all the decrees that are, that are, that are set against the person. You're able to get rid of all that stuff through the stock. Because of this, it's it's it is, it proves that stock is is as a general theme, and therefore stock has no limitations. Because just like you give anything you you had to, to, to for doctor bills, it says in Tanya, so too how much more so to 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 make your soul complete. How much more so does it make sense to give beyond all limitations? So too there is the idea of ufaratz than a Torah study. You might want to say that learning Torah is like a it's a whole the whole discussion about about how why Ufarat applies to Torah. Um we have four minutes. Let's get I'll see whatever can last four minutes. I'll try to do this. <clears throat> What's the idea of Ufarat's and Torah study? So Torah study has this unique quality that Torah brings to mitzvahs. So therefore, you might say that, that Torah is considered like an action because Torah brings to action. And therefore, since Torah brings to action, it's just like we said before about davening. The davening is the, is the spine of all of Yiddishkeit. Therefore, it has to be, have an infinite element in it because it has to empower all Yiddishkeit. You might want to say the same thing about Torah, but everybody doesn't, is not satisfied with this for a number of reasons. Reason number one, even the Torah study that brings to action, even that element of Torah study, is part of the mitzvah of Torah study. So it's not a general infinite theme, because if it would be a general infinite theme, it wouldn't be included in the number of mitzvahs. Whatever is, in other words, if there is a specific definition for it, and it's called a mitzvah, it's not infinite. Since Torah study, although it brings to mitzvahs, it's a, there's a mitzvah to study Torah, there is a limitation in it. Number two, just because you're studying Torah doesn't mean that it will bring to action by yourself. It could be that another person will learn Torah and scream out in every, in every corner of the world, whatever that lacha is. So In other words, it's possible someone else's learning will bring to my action. They'll learn the Torah, and they're going to scream to everybody what the halacha is. So it's not necessary for every person, it seems, to learn, to bring to action, but ufaratsa has to happen to every person. Number three, even if you won't rely on the head of the Sanhedrin, but you yourself will study the halachas, nevertheless, it's still limited. The author writes in Talmud Torah, it's possible to learn the entire Torah. That's how it's pertinent to action. You can know everything Torah says to you about what you need to do. So it takes a certain amount of time. You learn the whole code of Jewish law. And now you know all the Torah wants you to do. So there's a limitation. It's not Ufaratzka. So what's Ufaratzka in Torah study? It can't be about the fact that Torah 
affects our behavior, what we need, what we need to know what to do, is if we're to study the Torah to know what to do, there must be another element in Torah, which is Ufarat. And what is the Ufarat in Torah? The Gemara says there are some people, like Rabbi Shema and, and those and his choice students, that Torah was their profession. It wasn't the mitzvah of Torah. The mitzvah of Torah could be fulfilled by learning part of the day and, and working the rest of the day. Having a set time to study Torah. Or even more, Talmud, the Torah says that you that what has to be permanent to you is your Torah study, and your work is supposed to be, it doesn't matter how much time you spend working, but your what's meant to be the part of the day that's permanent is your Torah study, and the part of the day you spend working is supposed to be lighter. Ah, it's, it's ara, it's, it's temporary. But that's not the level of Shem Yochai. Shem Yochai achieved a level where Torah was his profession. They had no other thing in their life. Their whole life was just Torah study. So that wasn't because the mitzvah of Torah, that was beyond the mitzvah of Torah. So in a similar way, it's possible for each of us to put ourselves in that category of Rabbi Shemar Yechai's students, that when you study Torah, it's all that's going on in your life. Just like we said before about davening, that you should daven all day. What does that mean? That davening is you. So that when when you have a chance to da- chance to act to Hashem, you act to Hashem. You chance to study Torah, you study Torah, because that's who you are. So they're they saying basically that I understood it correctly. The ufarats and Torah study mean that Torah becomes your thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not doing anything else, but that's you. That becomes who you are, and that's why the Torah says that if Torah is your thing, you're exempt from davening because ufaratsta. This is the Ufaratsta element in Torah, which is can be exchanged to the Ufaratsta until, in other words, there is an element of Torah study which is similar to Ufaratsta in Tefillah, which means that every moment we have, we, we need to catch and study and Torah in it, because if Torah becomes who you are, then automatically you have a, you have a chance, you chaperain of our Torah, and you chaperain um, a, a moment with Hashem, to connect with Hashem and davening, and you chaperain and because it's it's you for us that you won't beyond your limitations and you're identifying with with Hashem. each of us in Torah feel in staka and uforats in the world we should see it happen. Chaim. Good to see you. When are you out of uh, quarantine? To speak, Doctor Akimi, I, I don't know. It's it's complicated because. After one person in my family stopped being contagious, then the next person became contagious. Then, so positive. So what's positive. your next <laughs>